All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with sweets and Slaney. Like, I can give myself insulin whenever I need to, but I like the idea of knowing my sugar constantly without having to, like, bring out my kit and prick my hand and do that right. thing. And... What? Four grand? For a little thing that reads your I mean, glucose level? Yeah. Man. So, so you're just going to go get one because no charge? Yeah. Great. Come November 1st, I think, is when we... Just go to the Radio Shack and be like, one glucose monitor, please. That's right. I want it, uh, your best transmitter. <laughs> when we were building our radio station when we were 14 years old, me and my neighborhood friends. Oh, yeah. Um, I love this story. <laughs> it sounds like the beginning of a Stephen King novel. Yeah, exactly. We were all cursing a lot and <laughs> yeah. yeah, drinking beer in the bushes. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Radio Shack and we were pricing... We were pricing unidirectional microphones. And, like, we didn't have condenser microphones or anything, like, of radio caliber. No. Um, but I remember we, like, told the guy working there what we wanted them for, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, that's super against the law, so I can't be complicit to this. No way. <laughs> we're, like, 14-year-olds. Yeah. And, like, and it, it's, I mean, I guess it's not technically legal to broadcast, like, a frequency on the FM dial without a license from the CRTC. But we had a one-watt transmitter. Yeah. And like a mile radius of coverage Where did they... to say it's super against the law or whatever he said. Like he really overstated it. So he wouldn't give you mics because it was against the law to do a because you because you weren't asking for a transmitter. You're just asking. You can't for mics. get a transmitter at Radio Shack. You <laughs> yeah. can't like get a radio transmitter. So he wouldn't give you mics because you. No, had I, th- this... I think he did, but like he wouldn't give us information on on how they would react with a transmitter. I oh think he didn't God. know the answer. I, I, I think that's what it is. <laughs> He didn't want to seem like an idiot in front of a bunch of 14-year-olds. Yeah, and in hindsight, he was probably like 19. But mm-hmm. to us, he looked 35. Yeah. Remember how when you were like a little kid, like all the laptop salesmen and salesmen in Future Shop like looked like they were wearing suits? Right. But those were just lanyards. Yeah, and it's like how now <laughs> if you see someone who's like 14, you think they're 10. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, there's this big uh, controversy. I don't know if you'd call it a controversy, but it was perfect fodder for every morning radio show in Canada today okay. that Bathurst, New Brunswick has announced new rules and regs for trick-or-treating this year. Oh. Uh, anybody over the age of 14 is not allowed to trick-or-treat. Ooh. And like, I was 14 when I stopped trick-or-treating, but definitely some kids went beyond that, and sure. it was fine by me. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, eight o'clock, a good time. 8 o'clock p.m. is curfew. That's cut off. And 8 p.m. seems very early. Yeah. It's barely dark by 8 p.m. Well, when you think about it, though, I mean, most of the little kids are in by 8. Like, it's not much past 8.30 that... I guess, but just, like, what is the harm? What is the harm in... Yeah, what was happening in Bathurst is what I want to know. What I, was the precursor to it's, this? It's just kind How of... How many ass- bodies were found from last it's year's It's assumed Halloween? that every 19-year-old who's trick-or-treating is up to no good. That's yeah. so much better than like dropping acid at some warehouse party. Yes. Or vandalizing something. Sure. Which somebody they might comes, do. Somebody comes to your door with a costume on and says trick or treat. I don't care if they're in their 30s. Mm-hmm. I have Kit Kat bars. Take one. I remember I had a friend who egged the uh, principal's house when we were in junior Ooh. high. And we didn't know he had an egg. And we were just walking. And all of a so sudden. he was carefully carrying around an egg yeah, all night? Yeah. And all of a sudden he just turned towards the principal's house, which was like down the street and yeah. hucked it and we just sprinted mistake number one was letting the student body know where he lived yeah I, and i don't think that he intentionally did that i guess i think it, we stuff just gets kinda, out you see yeah. someone mowing a lawn stuff yeah. spreads pretty quickly i got egged on halloween once and i don't mean my house i mean my you body personally i personally got 
Got beamed with an egg. <laughs> egg on your person. Yeah. By anyone you knew or just random people? No, I think just like random hoods, hoodlums. Sure. Whippersnappers. Down in, uh, down in, what's it called? Montebello? Montebello is where I grew up. Yeah. Down in Montebello. That's where I was born. Man, down the end of Montebello is super nice. Like, what's that road that, like, it turns into? Well, like Lexington? Bree- Breeze Drive? Well, Breeze Drive is pretty old now, but, like, it, it turns into, like, Lexington Avenue. And uh, okay. I lived on Saratoga, which was just one up from Lexington. Right, we, yeah. we were in, like, the newer part of Montebello. Definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of nice houses. Oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, a lot of, like, like uh, cherry brick houses that right. are, like, McMansions almost. Okay, yep. Yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. yeah. It was a nice place to grow up. Did you have a pool? No, no. Oh, okay. No, no. We weren't that level. You just had your own transmitter. Oh, we were we were plenty privileged. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We lived on a corner lot in Saratoga. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I saw it before. And we had a radio transmitter. I remember rolling up and being like, whoo! <laughs> sweets! Uh, Casa del Sweets. Yep. Casa del Sweets. It was indeed. You want to talk about the Emmys? Yeah. The Emmys were I, Sunday I, night. Sorry. Go ahead. Can I tell you, I know basically nothing about the Emmys except oh, wow. for like four awards. Yeah. I feel like the podcast for the last six weeks has been you informing me and me being like, what? There was an <laughs> earthquake in Mexico? Or like just really big news items, me not knowing. Well, Which, except for that we only cover entertainment news on this podcast. That's right. But you never know. And Sometimes also, we bring up other and things. also the, the, the neighborhood uh, rules and regulations in Bathurst, New Brunswick come october right i think i need to start watching et every night you could do that i actually watched et before i left tonight and i'll tell you later because it brought like it totally helped me for this podcast really is it still john tesh and mary hart uh it was i think it was et canada it hasn't been for 20 years it wouldn't be anyway oh okay i didn't even know john tesh was yeah yeah he was the et guy oh my god yeah crazy yep um no it was et canada (laughs) Uh, winner in the Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series category, we had Jonathan Banks, uh, David Harbour, Michael Kelly, Mandy Patinkin, Jeffrey Wright. John Lithgow in The Crown was the winner in that category. Cool. You know what's interesting about this year's Emmys? Like everything that won a substantial award has already been covered on this podcast. Yeah, that means we're doing it right. I, I think, think we're so. I think we're hitting all the, the good shows. I think so. I mean, it's pretty easy to tell what is the zeitgeisty show, mm-hmm. uh, and we try and talk about shows that are either critically acclaimed or going to be hugely popular, or both. Right. Like, you're not going to like this, but in the coming weeks, I'm going to suggest we do The Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon. And you're going to hate it, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to hate it, but we have to do it. Right. Well, I might be sick that day. (laughs) I call him sick to the podcast. call him sick to the podcast. All right. Could do that if you have to. Uh, Outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series, Vanessa Bayer, Saturday Night Live, Leslie Jones, Saturday Night Live, Kate McKinnon, Saturday Night Live, Catherine Hahn, Transparent, Judith Light, Transparent, Anna Chlumsky, Veep. Kate McKinnon won for the second year in a row. Whoa. I didn't know that Vanessa Bayer was leaving Saturday Night Live. Yeah, she she and Bobby Moynihan left at the end of last season. I missed the Vanessa Bayer part. Well, I feel like she's not a household name, which I kind of feel bad about because I think she's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and I, she's one of the ones who I'm kind of concerned about. Like, I don't know if she's going to make it beyond. But you can picture her in a lot of different parts. Like, she's always a good, like, friend Supporting or mom. Friend. Or, you know, she could even play a little boy. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. She, she's definitely got a lot of, uh, you know, she can always take weapons. She can always take taquitos out of the oven. 
That's re- that's honestly exactly what I picture her being like, yeah. kids. Yep, exactly. But then exp- expanded and funnier. Bobby Moynihan, on the other hand, he's got a few things in the oven right now. He's okay. part of the new DuckTales thing, and he's also right. the lead in a new sitcom. Yes. Uh, I forget what it's called. Me, Myself, and I. Yeah, which is a terrible title. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like it might be all right. Yeah. It's Definitely. all about him trying to come up with billion-dollar ideas, I think. Oh, okay. He's trying to be like an inventor. We'll cover that when it comes... Outstanding supporting actress in a limited series or TV movie, Laura Dern for Big Little Lies. She won that thing. Outstanding directing for a comedy series, do you know? Uh, Donald Glover? Donald Glover for Atlanta, the episode B-A-N. B-A-N. He won two. We'll get to his other one shortly. Okay. Outstanding variety sketch series was Saturday Night Live. They were nominated in 12 categories. They swept the gamut. Wow. Which never happens. And not because they're not a great show, but because... They've just been around forever. You're yeah. more inclined to give it to Key and Peele or, right. or whatever. Um, no, they were just so relevant this year. Crazy. Did the President Show get nominated for anything? No. No. Okay. No, didn't come up. Uh, outstanding writing for a drama series went to Bruce Miller, The Handmaid's Tale, Offred, which was the pilot episode. Mm-hmm. That was nice. The only kind of off-putting thing about that was that it was The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, it was their first Emmy of the night. Yep. And it went to a man, which was kind of weird. Oh, uh, Yeah. But they tough, did fine otherwise. Tough watch, too. Yeah. Someone made the point that it seems like the tough watches are always the ones that end up getting the the biggest, like, you know, the ones that are kind of like, ugh, I yep. might wait a little bit before I watch the next episode. Well, I, I'm never going to continue watching The Handmaid's Tale, and not because I didn't think it was good, but just because I, I didn't see any entertainment value in it. Right. Ugh. Ugh. Outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series, Louis Anderson Baskets, Ty Burrell, Modern Family, Titus Burgess, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Tony Hale for Veep, Matt Walsh for Beep. Beep. <laughs> one for Veep and one for one Beep. One for Beep, which is the, the citric juice. Yep. Um, and Alec Baldwin for Saturday Night Live. Of course, he he got it. Mm-hmm. His line was perfect. He got up to the podium and he said, Mr. President, here's your Emmy. Right. You finally got your Emmy. Outstanding directing for a limited series went to Jean-Marc Vallée for Big Little Lies. Congratulations. To Jacques Ma. And I Marshall. mean that. Outstanding supporting actor in a limited series goes to Alexander Skarsgård, Big Little Lies. Big controversy is he kissed Nicole Kidman on the lips right in front of her husband. Oh. It was, it was a little weird. Interesting. Wait, who is this? The director? Alexander Skarsgård, supporting actor in a limited series. For Big Little Lies. Alexander Skarsgård. Which guy was that? He's like, uh, I think he ended up being the guy. In Big oh, Little his, Lies. She pl- he played yeah. her, her husband. Her husband, who was like abusive. Yeah. And he was like yeah. lean. And right. his brother is Pennywise right now. They're all, oh, they're really? all Skarsgårds. Oh, God. All sons of Stellan. Crazy. Outstanding writing for a variety series goes to Last Week Tonight, John Oliver. That's not surprising. No. That, that's going to be the new Daily Show perennial winner at the mm-hmm. Emmys, I think. I heard uh, I heard cousin Sal talk about how, you know, he was he's like I love John Oliver, but at the end he's like, all right, well I've got to go because we've got bits that we need to prepare for the show next week. And, he's, <laughs> and cousin Sal was just saying like, I literally have bits due at seven a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> like they're not the same. We need to do like five shows this week. Right. I don't. I'm kind of over John Oliver's. Um, it's terrible being British shtick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He does lean on it quite he a bit. He really leans on that. Did he do that in the uh, acceptance speech? I think so. I felt compelled to say that for some reason. Right. Okay. Speaking of uh, Cousin Sal, did you see Nathan Fielder was on Bill Simmons today? Yeah. I just was listening to it on the way over. I've only listened to about five minutes so far. Yeah. He's I think kind of out of character same. in it, too. 
Oh yeah, he's not not being his like. I think he only does that for the show and most talk shows. Yeah, he's always just he's always kind of an awkward like uh, dry. Yeah, yeah, awkward and dry guy. He was on Comedy Bang Bang too. He was a little bit more in character. For he was that. on Kimmel the other night. Oh yeah, yeah. Supporting actress in a drama series, Anne Dowd for The Handmaid's Tale. Her speech was a little over the top, a little melodramatic. Anne Dowd is main lady in Handmaid's Tale? Uh, no, that's uh, Elizabeth Moss. Anne Dowd was like the kind of matronly woman who was like in charge of The Handmaid's. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, outstanding writing for a comedy series, Aziz Ansari and Lena Waite, Master of None, the Thanksgiving episode. Oh, and, cool. And that's one people are really excited about because she's the first uh, black woman to win in that category. Really? Um, Did, so she helped write it? They wrote it together. Oh, cool. Which makes a lot of sense because a huge part of the episode is about coming out of the closet to your family. Right. That was an amazing episode. And was that kind of bi- biographical for her? Or? I guess it was 100% biographical. Oh, no way. Like, like even down to um, Aziz used to go over to his friend's house every Thanksgiving because he didn't have Thanksgiving in his culture. Like, they right. didn't grow up together, but right. they were able to fuse that. But they kind of combined it. They made their Thanksgivings a joint. That's really cool. Yeah. That episode was awesome. It was a really good season in general. Yeah. Uh, outstanding reality competition series. Didn't go to The Amazing Race, which is the perennial winner. It went to The Voice, which kind of surprised me. I kind of thought it was going to be RuPaul's Drag Race just because that's the, kind of the fresh one right now. Mm-hmm. Everything else seems so tired. Hasn't RuPaul's Drag Race been around for a while, though? I mean, maybe, but people are really jazzed about RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. I could see that. I mean, we're kind of in a different time from when it might have started. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know? right. People just kind of more into the... And, like, I know The Voice is charming to see, like, Adam and Blake bicker, but, mm-hmm. like, they have really never produced a it's single successful artist. Like, American Idol had maybe, like, five or six yeah. in their 12 seasons. Mm-hmm. The Voice has had zero Right. And like it's really starting to yeah, get kind of I never really thought about that. Never. I've never followed up. And I always think like I know it's still good for the career and they can like make a record and it's like a good jumping off point, but like there was a time where being in the top ten on American Idol almost set you for life. There I don't want to like a few wild cards that were like, Oh, this guy finished seventh, but he's still doing amazing. Jennifer Hudson won an Academy Award and she yeah. came in like sixth or seventh. That's right. Um and, and meanwhile, like going on the voice when they get accepted for the show like i know it's cool experience and like you get to make some connections and everything and it's kind of good for your brand Mm -hmm. but they really have to keep up this oh i'm gonna be a star charade knowing that it's just not gonna happen so they never have the previous winners on like performing or anything they might but i couldn't tell you a single person's name right never once never once uh outstanding director for a drama series reed morano the handmaid's tale offered okay Writing for a limited series, Charlie Brooker, Black Mirror. Okay. The episode nice. San Junipero. Yes, that one was very well liked. And well, it was also the least bleak episode of Black Mirror. I don't know if you saw that one. Really? Because the the one I watched, which was the one with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, wasn't the, bleak. No, that one. Yeah, you're right. That one was probably, that one had a little bit of uh, levity to it. This one really did. Like, you would really like this one. Okay. Yeah, it's, I'll watch it's it actually then. a really, like, a super interesting premise. Okay. Can you can you give me a little bit without spoiling? So, basically, it, it kind of starts out in this, um, you know, you think you're, like, in the 80s in kind of, like, somewhere in, like, Puerto Rico. It's called San Junipero. Okay. And um, so there's just this couple, or there's these two women, and they seem to kind of be there alone, and they are meeting up with each other, and 
then you realize it, it gets romantic and it's kind of like you know uh like they're they're never really like working or anything they're, they're it just kind of seems like they're on vacation and they're constantly hanging out and it's like a paradise yeah and then you realize that they're it like kind of like zooms out and one of them is actually like and they're they're discussing it a little bit um that one of them is actually like an old lady okay and it's showing the old like the old ladies in this nursing home but she's getting this like serum or something or like wearing this like device that because she's so old rather than like euthanizing people they can bring them back to this like to this place called San Junipero. I don't know if it's okay. like kind of a heaven-like place uh-huh. where they can meet former partners. Oh. It's like... But it is kind of like a dystopic alternate reality. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, and it's or not a even, utopic alternate reality. Yeah, like. it's not even that there's anything bad. Like there are people who can choose to die and mm-hmm. there are people who can... I don't know if San Junipero is the only place or if there's multiple like... Okay. Different Sounds very creative. Like oh my god! Yeah, super creative. This isn't the and one that Robert Downey Jr. optioned for a film. No, that was one from the first season of the BBC. It's okay. it's I think about the the guy who or the the future where everyone's got a, a contact lens that oh, can yeah, record yeah, yeah. everything and they yeah. can look back on. Yeah. Uh, have you seen anything about this new Matt Damon movie, Downsizing? No. I don't know if it's based on a Chuck Klosterman novel. I don't know why I get a Chuck Klosterman vibe from it, but like That's interesting. It's 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 a very interesting premise. It's a great cast. It's got Matt Damon and Kristen Wiig and Jason Sudeikis to name a few. The idea is we're here in 2017 or whenever and we're we've used up all of the natural resources on the planet and there's one thing you can do to make it easier to kind of take the pressure off. You can submit yourself to this experimental new uh, procedure, which is gaining popularity, called downsizing, in which you go into a lab and they take your body and they shrink it down to about two inches tall. Wow! And so, at two inches tall, you consume way less water, way less fuel, right. uh, fuel, way less food. Whoa. And so, the idea is, if everybody agrees to downsize, we're gonna be fine, right? Um, and so a lot of people start to do it and they have all of these like downsized communities wherein the houses are built to scale. So ultimately, like if you downsize, you can live normally, right. but you will technically only be a few inches tall. Well, possibly even better, right? Because it doesn't cost a whole lot to build a... Well, and there, therein lies the incentive to actually submit yourself to downsizing. So if you go into the meeting, they run the algorithm and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, so you have a current net worth of $12,500. If you downsize, your net worth will adjust to ten and a half million dollars. <laughs> okay. And so Whoa. if you downsize, you'll be a multimillionaire and you can live in a house that looks like this. And so like Matt Damon does it and like Whoa, this is crazy. It's one of those it's a really interesting trailer. It's one of those trailers where you'll watch it and at the two minute mark you're kinda like, okay, when is all hell gonna break loose? Right. And then it doesn't. You have to assume that it will. Yeah. So why does it give you a Chuck Klosterman vibe? Does he, he doesn't write novels like that, does he? Not, no, but I think he's kind of absurdist. And right. I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't even know a lot about Chuck Klosterman, to be okay. honest. I just kind of like... I, maybe, maybe I saw the title. I don't know if it's based on a book at all. So I don't huh. even know where I'm going with that. But Crazy. I just... I, I, I was like, is this a thing that... No. Anyway. 
Interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd be. That sounds like a Black Mirror episode. It kind of does, right? Yeah. Uh, outstanding director for a variety series went to Don Roy King for Saturday Night Live, specifically the episode hosted by Jimmy Fallon. Okay. Uh, uh, I printed this off on the work printer. Don't tell anybody. He said on his podcast <laughs> that everyone at work listens to. Yeah. Outstanding variety talk series last week tonight. John Oliver. Ugh. Um, I thought I thought really that that Seth Meyers should have been nominated for that. I think it's ridiculous that he right. wasn't, but friggin' James Corden was kissing uh, Sean Spicer backstage. How did he do that? Yeah. So like a lot of people are really not happy about Sean Spicer showing up there, right? That yeah. we're just like embracing this person who lied to everybody and was complicit in uh, mania in the White House. And, sure. And suddenly you now he just like comes out smiling and everybody's cool with him again. Yeah. Um, James Corden, kiss ass that he is, is, is photographed backstage, like literally kissing him on the cheek. And he's had to like kind of apologize for it. Really? And admit that he's embarrassed to have done it. And yeah. Took quite a beating on social media. Probably drunk. Outstanding. Le- that was the gag he did in his monologue. But you know how sometimes when you get really drunk and you kiss somebody you wish uh, you hadn't. Gotcha. Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series, Donald Glover in Atlanta. He went away with two Emmys. Crazy. What were his speeches like? Did you hear them? They were they were really charming, but they were not prepared. No. And he said in his uh, press conference afterward that Tina Fey is going to be mad at him because she said, when you win Emmys, and you will win Emmys, you need to prepare a speech. Right. And I didn't, he said. But he was really nice. He, he like, th- I didn't know he was a dad. He has a baby. Crazy. He thanked his, his, his girlfriend or wife and, and his baby and his buddy, I guess. Did you uh, watch any of the Derek comedy specials? Did you did you see anything come up on Reddit? There was one specifically that said, in honor of Donald Glover winning his first Emmy, this is Derek comedy's most controversial sketch. And, and what it, was it? I've never seen Derek comedy. Really? No. You've never heard of like bro rape or? Uh, uh, no. I mean, maybe I'd be familiar with uh, some There's of a handful of sketches that are super funny. Um, <laughs> Sounds funny. <laughs> well, it's I, this is about like at at a college like super broy guys like this is i think like the introduction of the ultimate bro like when people started talking sure. about bros yeah. this is what they were talking when about. they when that term was coined yeah yeah um and it was just about like you know bros at a fraternity and this, this rape that happened between all of these bros like okay. bro and it was kind of like a to catch a predator thing like all right bro rape is the number one cause of and know. so this was reposted in honor of donald that one wasn't an even more controversial one was oh, okay. posted than that like oh, that geez. one that one seems super tame really compared to, yeah. so that was their mo to always be really yeah edgy. yeah there's yeah they had some edgy and it's funny because that's what like i knew donald glover from at first and then he went on community i think it's like, pretty cool to know donald glover before community totally i think that puts yeah. you in a in an elite and before childish gambino and then yeah all the acting stuff yeah uh outstanding lead actress in a comedy series julia louis dreyfus for veep she now has the record for most emmys for playing the same character which is sensational i'm okay with her winning that award again Mm -hmm. the fact that outstanding comedy series went to veep again was a little annoying to me yeah that's a that seems a little lazy uh master of none atlanta even silicon valley like really much much fresher shows yeah yep definitely so that was a little disappointing to me but uh what do we have left just a couple i believe 
Outstanding lead actor in a drama series, Sterling K. Brown, This Is Us. Mm-hmm. That is totally deserved. SKB. He is a dude. He's great. Lead actress in a drama series, Elizabeth Moss, Handmaid's Tale, and outstanding drama series, indeed, The Handmaid's Tale. So, no no upsets, no surprises. Everybody who deserved an Emmy got one, right. to be honest. That's good. Yeah. It was a lot of Atlanta, Handmaid's Tale. Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. And Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nothing crazy happened beyond the Sean Spicer thing. That was kind of the moment, I think. That was kind of the moment, I guess. There was a thing with Jackie Hoffman, who's, I guess, a character actress, who lost to Laura Dern, uh, and they had the camera on her, as they did all six nominees when Laura Dern's name was announced. Um, Jackie Hoffman kind of burst into an outrage and started screaming, damn it. And then she started tweeting that Laura Dern operates a child sex ring and, oh, that, she's, that's and that she's a Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> it was a gag from Jump Street. Of yeah. course it was a joke. Right. But there was all these articles, all these hot take blogs about how we saw the true side of Jackie Hoffman. And it was no. like, you're a, you are just, you, you don't even believe that. You're just right. desperate for something to write about. I love that. I love when people like really play into it. They're like, fuck. <laughs> no. Well, it reminds you of that Friends episode where Joey has to practice his gracious loser, play, loser face and right. it doesn't even apply it at all. Right. He just loses his mind. <laughs> Yeah, so Emmys were fine. They, I, I watched the whole thing, and then by the end of it, I was kind of like, ah, did I need to see Got all that? Done. You think that it needs some shakeups, new awards, change-ups, some things that just Yeah, it'll be, inter- in, it'll be interesting to see how many years before uh, the Emmys and the Oscars moved to gender-neutral acting categories. Because yeah. that's happened with the MTV Awards now. It was really popular. Really? Um, because ultimately, comparing any two performances is arbitrary. Right. So to say that women and men, it's not like, it's not like football. Right. It's not like you know, male athletes against female athletes where people are physically built differently. A performance right. is a performance is a performance, and they're all differently different. It, really, the only way to tell who is the best actor is to have five different people play Hamlet and decide who did it best. And then have Jeff, Jeff Probst come with a tiki torch. Exactly. And, like, at the, and it's all recorded. Yep. And they're living on an island. Yep. And Richard Hatch is there. Naturally. And he's naked as hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they vote each other out. Mm-hmm. Hamlet style. Hamlet style. <laughs> as they do. Today is the 40th anniversary of the day Arthur Fonzarelli, the Fonz, jumped the shark. Oh, nice. On Happy Days. Today's the 40th anniversary of the shark jump, which mm-hmm. has become a colloquialism in yep. television culture. We've discussed that on the podcast before, I think. I think so, yeah. Probably when talking about Happy Days. Did we do Happy Days? No, we didn't. Oh, do no, we didn't do Happy Days. No, I think we meant to when Gary Marshall died and then right. something more interesting happened. For anyone that doesn't know, Jumping the Shark applies to a show when uh, Fonzie from Happy Days literally was water skiing and jumped a shark. Yeah, he jumped over a shark on water skis. And it's become a colloquialism for when a show becomes irrelevant. When it, when a show has has so run out of plot ideas that they really need to wrap it up and call it a yeah. day. Uh, and many shows that are on for a long time do jump the shark. A, a great example would be on Friends when Joey and Rachel got together. That was them jumping the shark. That was this is, you are so moment. tired and you are so out of ideas yeah. that you've done this completely awkward thing. Yes, definitely. Uh Riverdale, which comes back again pretty soon, and I think we should do that on the podcast because okay. that turned into a very big thing in the first season. Yeah, and Becky and I just adore that show. It's so trashy <laughs> and delicious. It's a 
dark show I've heard. It's gritty. Yeah, I mean, it's got like a Gossip Girl kind of quality to okay. it. But uh, yeah, it's it's good. The creators of Riverdale are going to do a gritty Sabrina the Teenage Witch CW <laughs> show. Great. So I don't know. Is if it's Melissa like Joan Hart going to be involved? I bet she is. I don't think. I mean, maybe she'll come back in like a in like a Luke Perry plays she'll Archie's be the, dad kind of way. She'll be the teacher who like Leonard Malton played in the that, that could that be. will be her. That could be. No, they'll pick some 27-year-old person to play a 16-year-old, and right. she'll be stunning, and I'll feel weird about it because she's in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you hear about this location scout uh, working for Narcos who got shot dead in yeah, Mexico? Yeah, I did hear about got that. Got shot dead. We still don't know exactly what happened except for that. I mean, they're doing a thing about Pablo Escobar, maybe, yeah, maybe well, they were kind of pissed off about it. I heard it. that it's not Pablo Escobar. Like, I think the Pablo Escobar part of the show is now done oh is it do you not watch narcos no i watched the first season and i didn't watch the second season because i thought there was going to be a third season where they explore more of the pablo escobar stuff but i think the pablo escobar stuff ends in the second season i'm surprised you haven't kept watching it because that's like one of the essential dramas nowadays yeah people really like it i'll probably find time to watch it it seems kind of too serious almost like homeland yeah, you'd be surprised. If you watched the first episode, I think you'd be a little bit, um, you'd be pretty into it. Looks pretty violent. It's like, uh, have, did you ever watch Blow? No. Okay. It's like a serialized version of Blow, I guess. Okay. Where it's, you know, it's got some cool music. Drugs it's, in Mexico. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's got some laughs. There's oh, it does. Some, some action. Yeah, it's not all, it's not like Sicario or something like, sure. or like, um, or Homeland. Like Traffic. Yeah. Just like really dark shows that like there's, it's got, you know, some. Some violence. Some violence. Some, some gunshots. But, but some but some laughs and, you know, they really, they made it uh, uh, get under the tent show. Like everyone can kind of get under the tent and enjoy the show. Uh, I tell you what doesn't look like it has a whole lot of laughs and certainly a lot of violence is. Young Sheldon? The, yeah, probably. <laughs> Definitely doesn't have a lot of laughs. The Punisher, the trailer came out today. Mm. This is like long anticipated John Barenthal as the Punisher and what is hopefully the new essential Punisher because that's kind of one of those Marvel properties they that's never quite figured it out. It's never been handled quite right. Yeah. And this is a Netflix show. It's going to be kind of part of, I mean, it's part of the greater MCU, but mm-hmm. uh, more specifically along the Defenders, uh, Jessica Jones right. kind of train. That show I might like. Punisher compared to other holy hell it looks some violent man yeah oh my god which isn't a bad thing for me no and that is what the Punisher is I mean right. he's, he's not like a superhero he's with a dude with powers. a shotgun he's just a scary guy with guns yeah uh, and a very conflicted person and a skull t-shirt yeah big skull shirt is he wearing it in the sh- in you the- do see the skull shirt for ah, sure nice. yeah very cool yeah I'm in on that and I loved him in uh, The Walking Dead it was too bad that well, he's not in the Walking Dead. He gets Dead. he gets wiped away in the yeah, Walking he Dead. Gets wiped away. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. Like he kind of seemed ten years ago, like he was going to be the comedy guy. Like right. he did like some bit parts on sitcoms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, he was in Wolf of Wall Street. He was in the Wolf of Wall Street, but that was a serious part. Yeah. Although I guess it was kind of cartoony. It was kind of cartoony. It was kind yeah. of yeah. It was kind of kind of funny. That whole movie was cartoony mm-hmm. in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, Netflix is shooting or considering shooting seasons three and four of Stranger Things back to back. Okay. I think because Dustin's not cute anymore. Right. Because the kids are getting old and awkward. Yeah. Well, the Duffer Brothers had said they think four seasons is probably good. I think that's already getting ahead of themselves. Yeah. But I think they're looking at what they have to deal with and they're like, you know what? We need to get the next 16 episodes out there. They must have to do like a flash forward. 
Maybe they could do that. that. That would make sense. Well, and anyway, they can release them whenever they want. Right. It's good to get them done. It's so much better than worrying that it's going to be a year and a half before the next season comes out like Game of Thrones does. I'm yeah. so glad I'm not a Game of Thrones fan. Honestly, it would be such a pain in the ass to think about having to wait that long for the next four episodes or whatever the final season's going to yeah, be. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, like, you don't really think about stuff like that. You just find a new thing to concern yourself with. Until I, I know that's true, except for that at the end of the season, mm. you're bummed. You're like, oh my god. I'm yeah, gonna that be, is I'm going to be a different man by the time this comes around. That's true. And sometimes the show is gone long enough, and sometimes it's just 52 weeks right. long enough that you truly have become a different enough person that you don't care anymore. Do you ever do you ever have that? Like a show that you loved one season, and the next season you just can't even bring yourself to care? Uh, yeah, but I feel like it's a slower slog for me. Like it's a gradual thing. You don't quit it's, on shows? It's never like white to black or black to white. Right. There's two ways of looking at quitting on shows, and I'm somewhere in the middle. You can you can decide you don't really feel anything for a show anymore and quit immediately so you don't waste any more of your life. Mm-hmm. Or you can not give up so the time you've spent already wasn't wasted life. Right. It's all very existential. Yeah. It's a, are you a completionist or not? Generally, I am. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how much time I've invested. Pretty Little Liars stopped being good. And there was a time when it was pretty good. But it stopped being good. I just spent so many seasons watching it, I couldn't not finish. Yeah. A lot of people feel that way. Uh, Yeah, I bet. Tom Hanks is confirmed to return to Saturday Night Live as David S. Pumpkins. Hey. Is he hosting the episode as David S. Pumpkins? I hope so. (laughs) That is one of, like, the weirder... David S. Pumpkins. David Pumpkins. He's got a middle initial now? <laughs> one of the weirder sketches to yeah. have caught on. It's funny. I was talking about that at work like a week and a half ago. And yeah. we were like having a good laugh about it, just recounting it. Yeah. It was a weird one. Yeah. It was a weird one. Good though. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton died. I don't really know who he is, <laughs> to be honest. But people were excited about it. Excited not, not about a positive. Woo! He's finally <laughs> dead. People were worked up about it. We won 90. the Harry S. Stanton pool. <laughs> he was 91. He oh, died wow. of natural causes. Sure. But he was in Cool Hand Luke in The Godfather 2. Oh, uh, okay. He was in Godfather 2. I guess. Huh. He was an old person. An oldie buddy gay. An old dude. And this is the only other one uh, I have here, which I think is kind of interesting. Nobody's talking about it. Jamie Foxx set to play Mike Tyson in the biopic. Oh, that's good. Is it? Jamie Foxx yeah. is 49. Oh, but man, have you seen him? He is in constantly good shape. If you've ever heard him on a podcast, he talks about how he wakes up every morning and he does like 200 sit-ups and like He was good on Rogan there last month. That was kind of good. That's right. He Yeah, and he was on uh, Tim Ferriss before. And he basically kind of did the same thing on, on both of them. His I Tim Ferriss episode actually got like podcast of the year. I can't imagine him on Tim Ferriss. That's so weird. Yeah, no, he's he's basically the exact same way he is on, you know, he's like having a fun time with it. He's a cool He's like, dude. You I know, think- there was this this time that I went to a party in, in L.A., and I, I know Puff Daddy, so he was like, Puff. <laughs> it it, it kind of went that direction. And I meet this kid, and his name is Kanye. Yeah. Yeah, I, said, I know. How do you say Kanye? <laughs> yeah. And I do this soul groove, and he's like, no, you got to sing it normal. Right. And I'm like, this is never going to be a hit. Yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I think he's too old, and... <laughs> I mean, maybe he'd have to bulk up quite a bit. Like, I know Mike Tyson's not one of the bigger... Like, what, was he a middleweight or was he a... Well, the thing about... I mean, like, yeah, he'd have to bulk up quite a bit. But did you ever see, like, like uh, Edward Norton in, like, American History X? Like, yeah, I watched American looks, History X. <laughs> there are scenes where he looks like he's, like, 
250 pounds yeah but he's like five six he's yeah. probably like 160 pounds you know it's, that's true there's a lot of a lot of photography style things you can do and also jamie fox is incredibly in shape yep like and all and he's gonna roid out for it too they all do the, yeah totally you're right and so he's he's already in good shape i mean mike tyson was just super cut he wasn't He's not a huge he guy. He didn't look like a massive man, but right. he was like not Muscle. an ounce of fat on right. his body. Of course. Yeah. Anyway, that'd be kind of interesting. He's obviously had an interesting life. Man, I'd be so interested to see what his diet for that movie is. Oh, on a hilarious note, can I tell you a book that I ordered that I'm probably going to receive tomorrow? Speaking of uh, diets and stuff. Okay. Uh, the TB12 method. Uh, okay. Tom, Tom Brady's uh, new book. Hang on a second. The sure. cat is making noise. Tell yeah, me she's, about it. She's basically just uh, like <sighs> pawing. Enough pawing at the the closet door stop it oh she does that all burn the time. all the time yeah yes she looked like she was kind of just hitting a speed bag tyson style. yeah i know yeah. i know we were talking about mike tyson and she's like i'm gonna do <laughs> she, that on the door she's like oh yeah i know that okay so what is this about tom brady the book uh anyways it's, it's called like the tb12 method a a guide to a lifetime of peak sustained performance okay so his whole thing is like he wants to play till he's like 45 He's cut out like everything out of his diet. He doesn't eat like bread. He That's doesn't fun. eat, which I can sympathize with. So I, I want to. Well, know a lot of people don't that. eat bread. Sure, he just doesn't eat like carbs or dairy. Okay, <laughs> like it's t- kind of taking it to the next level. And he he is vegan um, throughout the summer months, I think. But then okay. throughout the football season, he eats meat. What a way to live! Sounds I like, like a blast. It, it's crazy. He's yeah. got yeah, he's got his own chef and stuff. But I just want to know like. What is he doing to, you know, why? What kept him motivated after winning his first Super Bowl? Anyway, so just that'd be an interesting book. Yeah, I ordered the Disaster Artist, which is the one oh, Greg yeah. Sestero's book about the room, because that the new trailer came out for that movie, and it just looks like it's going to be a moment. It I, looks like it's going to be something. I think I saw a, a scene from the room, the green screen scene on the roof. No, I don't think it was that. I think it was like him going in and like ordering like flowers from. Oh somewhere. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi doggy. Yeah, no, that's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the weirdest thing. Right. You gotta watch this movie, man. It is like I'm gonna read the book, and I know a thing or two about this movie already. But Becky and I had such a time watching that movie because all the audio is so off. Oh my god, it's a mess. Like he goes in and buys flowers, and what does she? She, she says something so ridiculous. She's like, "You're my favorite customer, Johnny." And he's <laughs> like, "Bye." <laughs> <laughs> It was actually just an Instagram account no that I follow. Sense. That's just a comedy, and it doesn't like reference what this is from. It just says this is movie history. Or that something. is the whole movie. It's all like that. You <laughs> can't believe it's a real thing. So funny. But there's so much love to this film. Do you find that there's points where you get so used to it that it's not even funny? No, no. It's no. just funny. There are a couple of points where I can't even remember them. Where I just burst out laughing oh, God. you can't believe it and you never feel bad for laughing at him because he's like he's made money off it he's kind of made a career out of yeah this. franco was talking about it on uh on q with tom power last week about how uh tommy still makes like 800 grand a year off the room really he owns 100 percent of the rights and there are these cult screenings all over hollywood right. all year long and it's got this huge following so like he is set for life right and as long as he's cool with being the butt of a joke. How was James Franco in the interview? That's honestly what I'm more curious about. What is he like as a just dude 
been... He is so excited about this movie. Really? It's really nice to hear him talk about it. He was actually a terrible interview on Tom Power just because he was super like frantic and excited about it. He couldn't finish stories and he would get derailed and (laughs) Tom was having a hard time, but like Franco's excited about this movie and I think he did a great job and uh, early reviews indicate that it's a really very sweet, hilarious film. Cool. A good movie about a bad movie. All right. You want to talk about shows? Because we're already uh, chugging along here. Yeah. Are we an hour in? No. We're, well, we're about uh, like 40 minutes in, okay. I think. All right. Cool. Um, I still want to do drops that are like TV shows. <laughs> and like... You mean to, to separate the segments? Yeah. Just like news. And just like have like a drop. That, yeah. That, or even like a kind of like... I think I can get a friend to do it. Okay. And, and we, if... If I do that, I'll just send them to you and we can just insert them. It would help if we actually like worked in an industry where like making stingers and bumpers for audio production was, was feasible. You're right. I need someone who can make a stinger Hmm. and a bumper. It's your turn to pick which one you want to do first. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do, uh, the good place. Oh man. I got some things to say about this show. Okay. The ET show tonight. Yeah. Complete. Uh, I can't wait to tell you more about it. Okay. Okay. We'll do. We'll do your recap first. All right. You'll go on go. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, the Good Place, starring Kristen Bell. In three, two, one, go. Okay. So the show focuses around Eleanor Shellstrop, who is a uh, person who just died and goes to what is supposed to be considered heaven. It's kind of a combination of a bunch of different religions. It's called the Good Place. Everyone kind of had it right. Um, she, you soon realize that she's actually not supposed to be in the good place. She was confused for another person who was a defense attorney, and uh, she's actually a very bad person. And she needs to kind of try to convince people that she is a good person and figure out why she's there. Pretty good. The only thing you left out was the end where all hell kind of breaks loose because she's glitched the system That's by right. being there. That's right. Uh, did you know this show existed? I didn't, and I I love Mike Schur. Yeah, like, I couldn't believe it. There's so many things that I that I like about where the show is kind of going, and I read a little bit about it too. And a huge bombshell was dropped on me when I was watching ET, which I can tell you about as well. Okay, too. Um, okay, you're okay. This is like the biggest spoiler. Like this was like the season ender. I don't really want to know a huge spoiler if you can avoid it, because I think I'm going to keep watching. Okay, then I'm not going to mention it, because it's, like, the biggest spoiler. Okay, I know there's a big reveal in the end. Yeah, yeah. It was, Um, like, kind of, like, critically acclaimed. People are super into the show now. Well, premise-wise, it's very... It's... I think it's clever. Uh Uh-huh. In my reading about it, it's my understanding that it is similar to a French play by Jean-Paul Sartre called No Exit. Okay. Although that was much more uh, dark and existential and explored yep. evilness and yep. uh, eternal damnation and uh-huh. uh, scary themes. Well, when I was on uh, vacation in the summer, I took five days off to just uh, sit outside and write mm-hmm. all uh, for like a week. Okay. Uh, and I wrote a short story called 1717. And ultimately, it's about a guy who who died and he wasn't supposed to. Oh, and so I was kind of freaked out watching this show because it's like premise wise, it kind of peters off and becomes a different thing. Right. Although I've only seen the first 23 minutes of this series. Yeah. Um, it's the, the premise, the pitch for it is exactly the same thing as this story that I yeah. read. 
So I'm really hoping it gets different so that I don't look like I just ripped off a premise. So did you notice the Alan Yang involvement too? No. So he's, writer? he's yeah, as a writer and a director. Master of None, Parks and Recreation. Yep. And Mike Schur, who's Parks and Recreation. Yeah. The and, Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Totally. And he's brought in, uh, you know, apparently um, Adam Scott comes in. Oh, great. Uh, at some point too. And I think he's kind of got an extended role in there. He has good chemistry with Kristen Bell. Yeah? Yeah. How so? Well, they were in Parks and Rec together. Oh, right. Uh, I feel like I've seen them in like a movie or something sure. together too. They cool. just kind of have similar, they're almost like the gender opposites of one another. Right. They're kind of equals. Yeah. So what did you, did you like the show? I loved it. I thought it was fascinating. Cool. And bizarre. Yeah. Um, and very creative. Yeah. I, I definitely thought it was very creative. Mike sure, I guess, took a lot of uh, what he wanted to do with the show from Lost. Yeah, I guess he hired Damon Lindelof as a world-building consultant. Oh, really? Yeah. I know. I know. He like went out to lunch with him and stuff and talked about it. Maybe that's what. Which is which is like, it, I don't know if I directly had this observation, but in hindsight, the Good Place kind of reminds me of like the Dharma Initiative. It's this weird sure. insular utopia. Yep. Yeah, and and he always wanted to. He wanted to continue to to kind of have it on like end on a, like a cliffhanger, and also kind of how Lost was the self-contained, really like a lot of it existed in, uh, you know, I guess a utopia, but yeah. also kind of an afterlifey. There's an afterlifey vibe to it. Yes. Um. So yeah, and and I even did like kind of a reading on the synopsis of a lot of the different characters, mm-hmm. and why they're there and it's very interesting and another reason i like mike sure is he's i don't know if we talked about this on the podcast but he's obsessed with infinite jest yeah yeah and he directed I, that video remember we talked about the yes. december songs yeah yeah A- and uh he, i think there's kind of even some of that in in the show well there's like, a lot of existentialism in infinite jest that's right and and even na- the naming of some of the characters i'm like oh interesting his name is michael uh-huh. like that's really crazy. Yeah. You know what? I really like that we're at a place again in television where the sitcoms can be a, like kind of abstract and fantastical. That's right. Like, I mean, it was it was corny in like way back in the day when I Dream of Jeannie was on or whatever. Like, obviously, that was kind of campy, bewitched. Yeah. But then there was like 30 years where every sitcom was either a workplace sitcom or a family sitcom. Right. And it all took place in the real world. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that we are getting away from that now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't a huge fan of like the CGI that they had in the show. That was a little cheap. It was a little cheap. And hopefully, you know, it is the pilot. Yep. So, and I watched the second episode and there wasn't really any of that. Yeah. It's kind of just like a normal episode. Um, but again, I think every episode has a cliffhanger at the end. And I love the cliffhanger at the end of episode two as well. Oh, okay. And I kind of read ahead about it. Um, but the bombshell that was dropped on the E.T. episode, because it's just starting season two. Yeah. Um, was amazing. And I can't wait to see how, like, I feel like um, Mike Sure kind of already has all of this figured out. Okay. Um, like where the show is going to go. So yeah. that, that makes me really trust him. I love a good twist. Yeah. I oh. love it. It's juicy. And um, did did Jen find Ted Danson as sexy as she did she, during Cheers? She actually noted, uh, <laughs> like when I said, you know, it's Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. Are you excited for that? And she was like, Ted Danson, I'm excited for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a little different looking. It's a little cartoonier. Yeah, but I, you know, I think uh, you know, she didn't seem disappointed. Sure. 
Um, yeah, I uh, I just I'm really excited for it. I think uh, I think there's gonna be more guest stars in season two. Look, I didn't know much about this show when I suggested we do it. I just saw that look, Kristen Bell's in this cool new show uh-huh. that's got a new season starting really soon. Yep. I kind of thought it was going to be shitty and networky. And when I saw it was Mike Schur and it was actually like an original or maybe not original, but interesting premise. Yeah. It was such a breath of fresh air. It was such a relief. Did you find the sound was even mixed a little weird? Like looking at people talk in the first episode versus their mouth moving? No, I didn't or notice that. The sound of them talking versus their mouth moving? It just seemed really off to me. Okay. I don't no, know. I maybe, it was, maybe it was the stream that I had or something. But Maybe. But... Uh, Episode two seemed fine. And now that we know the twist, Jen and I want, we're going to watch all of it. That's cool, but it's a bummer that you're wrong. We already know the twist, twist, but I don't think I would have watched it otherwise. Oh, okay. And it just made it seem so much more interesting. Like, whoa, this goes to a completely different level. They're really thinking. I'm in for this shit. You're really building this thing up. I know. You give your ass to the good place? I do now, yeah. Yeah, me too, for sure. Yeah. It was really awesome. I don't have anything more to say about it, though. (laughs) That's, That's pretty much it. Okay, and we move on to, because uh, the new season of Tignataro's One Mississippi has started, short mm-hmm. seasons, six episode seasons. Oh, cool. Uh, so uh, I guess I will recap the first episode. All right, I'm going to recap. I'm going to go on Go. I feel like All I have right. to tell you that every week. Why? Because if I don't tell go! you, you just <laughs> you go three, and then you start, and then I'm thrown off. All right, well, one, two, I'm going to say three, and then I'm going to press Go. No, you're gonna say go. I'm gonna go on go. Okay, so I'm gonna count up to go. One, two, three, go. Tignataro comes back to Mississippi because her mother has fallen, had an accident, and she needs to be taken off life support. She joins her brother, who seems like a nice guy, if kind of a country bumpkin rube, and her stepfather, who is maybe a little autistic, uh, kind of cold, but ultimately cares a lot about them. She's the only one in the hospital room when the mother eventually dies, and she's in kind of an awkward situation where she wants to keep her mother's possessions in her husband's house, but he doesn't really want to keep them around. They have the funeral. He decides, sure, I'll keep your mother's possessions in the house and the girlfriend shows up oh and the girlfriend shows up casey wilson and that was pretty much what did you think of casey wilson i just find her kind of annoying in every show that i see her in well i think she's supposed to be annoying in this <laughs> show. yeah i don't think she's supposed to be that supportive no i know i, I think she's funny in real life i just yeah. i don't know she seems to always kind of play the character that kind of annoys me kind of yeah kind this of one she's over the top in though superficial. i mean superficial yeah well and most of the show is pretty grounded Yes. Although Bill, the stepdad, he's kind of over the top too. I, I found Bill hilarious. Me too. Me too. The how hard I laughed when she she says, "Did Mom pick those flowers on the table?" And he goes, "Yeah, we should probably throw them out soon. We don't want to get bees." <laughs> <laughs> Why would bees be the biggest concern? Because you have flowers inside. He's just like completely unfeeling. Okay. And I guess in real life, her stepfather. He, this is kind of a parody of that character. Right. He's like that, but he's he's much more warm, and yes. they're very close. I bet. Um, Did you ever hear her story about meeting the Taylor Dane? Taylor Dane. Yeah, it's like her second most famous stand-up bit. Oh my god! Besides the chair, is that the most famous? Well, one? Well, no. I'm, I'm taking. I have cancer. Right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. The uh, but you've seen the chair thing too, right? I don't know where she's just like. As part of her act, she's moving a chair. Oh, okay. And then she realizes that people are just laughing at it, so she keeps doing that and 
continues to do that and it gets like less funny and less funny and less funny and then more funny she does kind of have like a dry anti-humor thing oh yeah 100%. like she went on conan one time and she just like texted all through the interview okay and it's funny. I, I guess, like, she pulls it off. I find her funny. Yeah. I was listening to Artie Lang's radio show recently where they were uh, talking about how she's not funny at all. And I used to kind of be of the mind that saying that uh, comedy is subjective is untrue and that there is good comedy and bad comedy. Like, I think that's kind of true, but definitely you can have your preferences. Totally. I think she's really good. Um, I certainly noticed when they listed Louis C.K. as an executive producer. Yeah. Me too, especially that's, after our conversation. It's kind of been in the news a little bit, although update on that front. Jen Kirkman's update. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, so like she was initially the person, besides maybe Garfunkel and Oates, alluding right. to something sketchy involving some ser- sexual harassment uh, with Louis C.K., indirectly Louis C.K., uh, Jen Kirkman was the one who had said some vague stuff about uh, feeling kind of pressured by some powerful comedian male comedian uh she didn't say louis ck and i think uh, roseanne really glommed on to that it was louis and louis smartly didn't comment on it right uh jen kirkman after all this time came out this week and said listen there are all these rumors that i said stuff about louis ck i don't mean louis and i have never had such an experience with louis ck right so she let him off the hook she's like okay don't make me a part of this right uh which is cool yeah, I was kind of relieved to hear that. But how Tig is connected to that is uh, she's got her own issues with Louis um, plagiaristically, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh, and also, uh, she obviously has uh, certain feelings about his reputation as a sexual predator because she's written in a storyline in the second season involving the character who is, in fact, her real-life wife and playing her girlfriend in the show now, um, Stephanie something. Okay. In which she gets sexually harassed by a powerful male comedian who is essentially Louis C.K. Wow. But he has no involvement in the show other than that he's credited in the opening credits as an executive producer. And I guess that's because he was the catalyst in her releasing uh, Tignataro Live, her right. special. Uh, he happened to be recording at the comedy store that night and encouraged her to sell it. Right. But no other real contact. They don't. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, they're obviously business partners to some degree, but yeah. he doesn't have any involvement in the production of the show. Huh. Yeah, it still makes you feel bad about that. I know. I feel kind of weird about it. Mm. I don't know what to think about it because he's got this movie coming out called "I Love You, Daddy," mm. which apparently has some themes of sexual harassment in it and oh, wow. comments a little bit on this alleged reputation. But we don't know anything about it. All we know about this movie is that it's very Woody Allen esque. Okay. Right. Which his show was, too. Sure. And he was in a Woody Allen movie, and I'm sure he took things away from that. And Yeah, Blue Jasmine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what did you think of it? I, I thought it was pretty funny. I watched the first season. Oh, did you? Yeah. Just in a couple days? No, I watched it like Oh, month, you'd already watched ago. it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it kind of stays at the same level the whole time. Really? Like, she, you really have to appreciate her. Yeah, uh, and and I think that's one uh, something that's kind of interesting about this show is that uh, they know that you're only watching the show because you already know who Tig is. Mm-hmm. So they have this rare opportunity in television to jump over a bunch of uh, exposition. Yes, where like they don't explain what C diff is, or even really that she's sick. She just looks sick, and her brother's like, "Oh, you're sick." Well, and she's they're talking about chemo and how she's clearly had a mastectomy. I guess so, but like that's all plot, and right. they just like. 
they they just kind of loosely threw it in right. in the background. That's what I found kind of interesting about this plot is that Tig is the main character, but the fact that she's like very chronically ill is a secondary, if tertiary, tertiary plot line in this pilot. They weren't it's all about her mom. Yeah. She yeah, just happens well, to be sick. That's what I found about the, like, to us, it was kind of like, where is this show going to go? Yeah. Because the whole episode was about her mom being sick. Yep. So is the next episode about, like, just her doing a set? Or, like, is she just dealing with her no, mom? No, and... it, she sticks around at Bill's house, right? Okay. And so she's kind of... Uh, learning about like her mom's stuff and okay. like what stuff she wants to get rid of right. and i think there's a thing where she has to like fix a shelf it's like all really like soft plot stuff wow but it's kind okay. of held up by the fact that she's charming yeah cool she says 85 percent of the pilot is accurate is what happened yep uh and that after that the show takes more and more liberties that it's right. not so autobiographical anymore okay i i laughed really hard at the do i just go and then the thought of her her mind the, with the nurse laughing and saying oh god no you don't just go you'd have to be a crazy person it was funny and i've i've seen that scene twice now and i forgot that that was a dream sequence yes so i, I was thinking like oh this seems really cruel yeah Except she's laughing also yeah and then it was just i fantasy. started laughing for sure yeah yeah i i feel like there must be a lot of comedy like that throughout the whole show is is bill in it consistently yes Nice. Yes. Yeah, that's the cast of the show. Like, it takes yeah. place in Mississippi. Yep. The brother's likable. She. They're clearly, like, friends. Yeah, but he's kind of, like, he's kind of a a deadbeat. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I, it was, yeah, I guess I picked that up. Him just kind of lying on the couch watching football. Yeah. Um, And also had to go home to feed bonkers. Right. <laughs> we sure we don't all to... need to go yeah. to feed bonkers? I don't know. There's just been so many shows by top tier comedians playing a version of themselves in a dramedy right. on cable. Mm-hmm. And I like, I, I love Pete Holmes, right? But I yeah. just couldn't really, I, I watched all of Crashing, but I didn't love it. No. I think because I'm just kind of getting exhaustion from, from all of these shows that ultimately started with Louie mm-hmm. and everybody's had one now. Right. Everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got your Mark Marins, you got your Pete Holmes, you got your Tignataros. Yeah. Who else? Uh, are you gonna put me on the spot? <laughs> Sorry, no, I didn't mean Good to. Good like, Lord, test you. I I'm just... not. I'm not wrong though, right? It just seemed like there's been a lot of them. Yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. It's definitely got its own universe. Jim Gaffigan of shows. had one. Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, Although, was that that much of a dramedy? No, that was pretty. That was pretty comedic. In yeah. fact, it was situationally comedic. It right. was like, oh, look at the antics he got himself into right. this week. What uh, sort of mess? But most of them are dramedies about how, like, being this person who tells jokes is actually kind of sad it's and difficult. Than that. Yeah. yeah, sure. So I don't know. I think I. I don't. I, like I watched the first first full season because I was bored or whatever. I don't know if I'll keep going with it. So you but don't I, give it the S. I don't think. No. I like her. I really mm-hmm. do. I like Tig a lot. I think she's funny, and those a few of those bits are truly deeply funny. Yeah. But I don't know if there's a whole lot more there. Right. She just talks really slow, and she mm-hmm. says really short sentences, and people lose it. Yeah. <laughs> and I do, too. I think it's funny, yeah. but I don't know if she's ever going to like come up with like this great bit. Although the Taylor Dane story is really funny, and it's like uh. 15 minutes long. And even hearing her retell it on a podcast, 
was so funny. The Good One podcast. It, oh, yeah, you're yeah. right. That was the podcast. Yeah, Jesse David Fox from Vulture, I think. I haven't listened to it a whole lot lately. Are you still on it? He's kind of stopped doing it. He says the new ah. season's coming, but I don't know when. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm happy that there was like a, a pause I could catch up if I wanted. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. I, I, have you listened to anything new lately? Because I, I started listening a little bit to Pod Save America. How's that? It's great. It's really yeah. They had Hillary Clinton on. Okay. And so like it was Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. talking about her new book candidly with, I mean, they're not her peers. They're young people, but they right. worked in the Obama administration. Uh, and so she knows them personally. Yeah. Really interesting to hear her speak just like a human. Yeah. That was kind of fun. So she, so she seems like she's got more of a grip. Like she's not so detached from. No, she's really, reality. she's really good. Because it's it's so funny. Like she did an interview last week where she's like, they're like, how are you recovering? She's like, you know, I'm drinking Chardonnay and yeah, I'm I heard that doing too. alternate uh, nostril breathing. And it just seems to be the thing that relaxes me. And it's like, why? You just sound like like Gwendolyn or Gwendolyn Gwyneth Paltrow yeah no I, I don't really get that impression from her she was on Colbert last night and she's really fun really yeah. like she's looser now yeah because she can just be like a person and yeah. and she's not afraid to say this is crazy yeah this guy's sure. crazy right so I think I appreciate that cool I think that's cool so I've been listening a little bit to Pod Save America and uh oh I started listening to LeVar Burton Reed's How's that? He he, it's great. He just reads short stories by authors he likes. Yeah. So I listened to this one by Neil Gaiman, a story called Chivalry, which I'd never heard before, I'd never read before, and he reads it wonderfully. Cool. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll check that out. So are they long? Are they like half hour or? Yeah. Like, okay. Th- like thirty forty minutes tops. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's kind of a cool way to just get out of your head for absolutely a half an hour. absolutely. Um. No, I think what I've mostly been listening to are kind of the the old favorites, you know, the yeah. Tim Ferriss, Bill Simmons, uh, Deezus Miro, um, a bunch of like more fantasy football podcasts than I care to admit because sure. I just like have a pointless obsession right now. Sure, and, Nerdist uh, has been really good lately. No way. Okay, yeah, it's been he's had like consistently excellent guests, and talking with Chris Hardwick really helps. Yeah, because every episode of that show gets uploaded as a live podcast, right? And so they obviously have to have good guests on that show. So who lately? Like Brian Cranston yep. and Tatiana Matslany. She was very charming. Tatiana Matslany was on it. Yeah, she's really charming. Awesome. Uh, and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And cool. uh, yeah, it's been a good one. Right on. Okay. I'll, I'll check that out. Haven't listened much to Joe Rogan lately. He's very hit and miss. Like, yeah. I listened to Hannibal there a couple of weeks ago, but it was very like, it went on too long. Yeah. And many of them do. It's just such a commitment to listen to one of those and things. So, and sometimes it's like, I'm, I'm just super entrenched in like some doctor that he has on. But when it's like Joey Diaz analyzing the fight. Again. Like, okay. Yeah. Fight yeah. companion. Yeah. I know. I can't do it every week. There's yeah. Too many things to listen to in this world. You're right. But don't not listen to the show show. No. Listen to the show show. Watch the show show once we have a, a re- Corded deal on Eastlink TV. Yep. Community television, the show show. Show show TV. The show show show. That would honestly probably be pretty easy to accomplish <laughs> yeah. if we wanted to. Honestly, yeah, do an Eastlink version of, oh God, I, I, I shudder to think of how cheap that would look. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> we could just have a green screen and be like, sorry, again, the uh, green screen isn't working today. And that would just <laughs> constantly be our background. We get a cease and desist from every network. Don't talk about our programs, please. Right. It's all right. Uh, we thought yours was good. So Leah Remini, uh, I don't know if she was discussing other celebrities in in Scientology recently, but she made a mention about how at the Celebrity Center, where mm-hmm. it's exclusive, 
in Scientology. I heard she, someone talk about this. She routinely saw Jada Pinkett Smith, but never right. Will Smith. Okay. Uh, and so Jada is kind of being praised a little bit for her response to this accusation. She tweeted basically that she studied the Quran, but she's not a Muslim, and she's read the Bible, but she's not a Christian, and she's uh, studied Dianetics, but she's not a Scientologist. And so she expressly states, look, I am familiar with Scientology, but I do not identify as a member of that community. Crazy. And if you were a member of the Scientological community, I don't think you could get away with saying you're not a member of their community. Right. Then again, if you're a powerful celebrity, you can get away with a lot more. Well, yeah, I think they go after her. Like You're not yeah. supposed to be a clandestine Scientologist, are you? Although no, I guess kind and she, of a lot of people She are. and Will did open a school which isn't called, you know, the Will and Jada School of Scientology, but it's understood to have been a Scientology school. Oh, what? And it's since been closed. Oh. Uh, but then again, like Leah Remini said, I've never seen Will at a Scientology thing. Interesting. So it's still unclear whether or not he's deep into it. He is good buddies with Tom Cruise, though. Okay. So. You know what else? Uh, Ezra Koenig is actually doing a, he's not Scientologist. But he's doing a anime show with Jalen Smith? Jaden Smith? Jaden Smith? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's kind of weird. I know. So he trusts Will Smith, I guess, to spend time with his kid. But do you need to trust Will Smith to trust Jaden Smith? Do you trust Eric Trump? No. I feel no. like I trust Jaden Smith even less. Than Eric Trump? Yeah. Look, don't trust Eric Trump. Okay. Don't trust Jaden Smith. Okay. And don't don't trust Will Smith. Never. Never. Trust Will Smith. Trust Will Smith.